we are winding down in this series called Jesus According to Jesus. Today is the, the second to the last week of this. And uh, we're talking about today this truth of I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've missed any of these sermons, you can go back and watch those on YouTube. But, but basically what we've been seeing is that Jesus doesn't just declare he is God. He describes what God is like. And so we've talked about Jesus is like the light of the world. He's like bread of life. And we've talked about these word pictures, these illustrations. They're not meant to be distracting from Jesus. They're meant to be unveiling. But the reality is we kind of have to unwrap, like a present we're going to unwrap at Christmas. We're going to have to unwrap some layers to see what is Jesus really describing about himself? Because that's what he's doing. This is why it's Jesus according to Jesus. We are getting the unique privilege to learn about Jesus directly from Jesus. Today, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have to ask, what does that mean? And while he doesn't use an exact word picture, he is trying to show us something that they would have known in their culture. You see, this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is wrapped in a marriage proposal. You see, many of us, we have uh, had a marriage proposal in our life. You video one. If you've never been married, you've seen one in 2021 because that's the way it is. And you know about marriage proposals. In their day, they had certain elements to a marriage proposal. Like in our day, we have certain elements to a marriage proposal. Like my wife and I have been married 15 years. And yeah, okay, all right, thank you, thank you. Um, and 15 years ago, a little over 15 years ago, I proposed to my wife and I did it on Valentine's Day first element of our marriage proposal. I invited my wife over, I made dinner for her, guys take notes. I made dinner and I said, hey babe, let's watch a movie. And it, it wasn't a movie, it was me on, we turned it on, it was me on a screen, it was so lame, so cheesy, right? It was me on a screen at the science building at Stephen F. Austin State University, Axum Jacks, and I was standing in front of a, a picture of the solar system it's all, all tips you can take with you uh, on the way home. Uh, I was standing in front of the solar system and I said, Jaya, as vast as this universe is, my love is greater. <laughs> and she's, she's just sobbing her eyes out, right? Like uh, in this moment, this is not a movie, this is something different. And, the, and when that video shut off, I got down on one knee and I said some words that you're not gonna get to see because I'm not showing you my, what, my proposal video. It's too private, right? Stop trying to see it, okay? I know y'all wanna see it. Um, but I said some words that you'll never know. And uh, right before I got Jaya to open up the ring, I had her put on sunglasses so she wouldn't damage her retina from the bling on the ring. I know, take it with you guys. Just, you, can, you don't have to give me credit, honestly. And uh, those were the elements of my proposal. She said yes, and then actually at the end, I had my buddy videoing. Like, like today, let's just be honest, today proposals happen like the, the camera's like right next to you, and it's in 4K HD, and it's all scripted. We didn't do it that way back in the day, right? No, my buddy, my roommate was down the hall, like sort of creepily stalking us, like with the video camera that was this big. Um, and he hit play on the video again, and it was the rap song, Every Time I Come Around the Corner, Bling Bling. Some of y'all don't know. Look it up later. <laughs> but we had sunglasses on. We were listening. To my wife, we were about to get married. It was a joyful time. Amen. But those were the elements to my proposal. Let me just tell you, very different than first century Jewish culture proposal. 
Like they had their own elements. And what we're going to see, we're going to dig into this and kind of break it apart verse by verse and see what, what was Jesus referring to? What, what about this marriage proposal that they would have known, can we know, that can help us understand I am the way, the truth, and the life? That's where we're headed. You guys ready? All right, ready or not, here I come. All right, let's go. John 14, grab a Bible. Let's look at it together. Pull it up on your phone. John 14, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 14, we're going to do one through seven, but we're going to break it up. So I'm going to read a little bit. We'll talk about it. Read a little bit. We'll talk about it. John 14, starting in verse one, it says this. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. I'm just stopping right there. Anybody troubled today? Anybody anxious today? Maybe over some present realities, maybe over some future uncertainties. That was the disciples. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and they were anxious, and they were troubled. And they were that way for several reasons. You see, in John chapter 13, Jesus projected, predicted that one person would betray him. That's Judas. That one person would deny him. That's Peter. And he also, more directly than he ever has, said, I am leaving you, and where I'm going, you cannot go. You see, as you try to picture this scene, sometimes we think about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We kind of picture Jesus is on a street corner yelling at people, I am the way, the truth, and the life, because you kind of see people in our day doing that with that statement specifically. But that's not the context of this situation. You see, all these last chapters of the Gospel of John, they're held in an upper room in Jerusalem. And Jesus is sharing a meal with his closest disciples. And not just any meal, the Passover meal. And so if you can picture it, Jesus is taking bread and wine and herbs and other things on the table. And as he takes that thing, he lifts it up and he talks about it. He lifts it up and he talks about it. It's this very intimate conversation between Jesus and his disciples over a meal. But he says some very troubling things. Hey, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me. And I'm about to leave, and you can't come with me. And you got to picture, as they're breaking bread, as they're having this meal, and they're hearing these astounding statements by Jesus, they got to be thinking, who? Who's going to betray you? I mean, Peter, you got to know Peter was like, who would deny you, Jesus? Like, who would do that? Peter. But they're also thinking, Jesus, you're leaving? You see, the disciples, you got to remember, they had seen Jesus perform miracles, heal diseases, preach to the masses. They were anticipating and expecting a revolution from Jesus, that he would overthrow the Roman government, that they would be set free, that he would set up a, a physical, literal kingdom on the earth. How are you going to do that if you're leaving, Jesus? We're not done yet. We're just getting started. And they were anxious and they were troubled. If you're anxious and troubled, you're gonna to wanna to listen to these next few verses. Because here's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't leave them in their anxiety. He enters into it. Right? We sang about it in that song. If you have fears, you have doubts. If you're anxious, if you're troubled. I know in 2021, some people are anxious. Maybe some things inside you are making you anxious. Maybe some things out there in our world are making you anxious. 
Maybe you wonder, did Jesus just leave us? Is he coming back? Is he gonna fix this? And, and you need to know, Jesus, he doesn't condemn you in your anxiety, he steps into it. He calls you closer to him. He points you to a truth in your trouble, amen? That's what Jesus is about to do. Keep reading with me, verse two. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Now here's where you gotta remember this marriage proposal language in the first century Jewish culture specifically that you need to know in that day, what Jesus just described is that kind of marriage proposal language for the first century Jew. That in that day, there was a few different elements to their proposals. The first was similar to mine. I mean, there would be words spoken, an invitation offered, but there would also be gifts brought by the groom. There would also be wine shared together. There would also be a binding agreement immediately. If the, the, the bride said yes, there would be a binding agreement to basically say, hey, we're essentially already married. But they wouldn't just move into a house, have a big celebration right away. No, there was a, the next element of that proposal was a time of waiting. And in that waiting, here's what the groom would do. He would go back to his father's house and he would build an extension onto that house, build a room at that house so that when him and his wife got married, he could bring his bride to his father's house and they could live there. Now, I know some of y'all, that creeps you out. And you're thinking, man, in 2021, we get married, we leave the family. And if your family's here, like just act like you're offended by this whole thing, right? I mean, of course, of course, we would stay with you, dad. Like just tell them that, right? I'm a dad of the girls. I want them to come live with me, right? When they get married, you said no? Okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, but this is what they did. There was a season of waiting and then they would come back and consummate the marriage. I'm not just talking about sex. I don't know why consummate just seems like sex. Not just sex, like official ceremony. Okay, now we're officially married and then they would move into the father's house into this new extension. You tracking with me? And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, you're troubled. Here's the solution. I'm inviting you. I'm going to build a place for you. I'm leaving now, but I'm gonna come back and we're gonna be reunited together in relationship. He's, it's an invitation to intimacy with God the Father. Right? Now, maybe that doesn't excite you and you're like, yeah, but, but Jesus, what about COVID? And Jesus, what about politics? And Jesus, what about these things? And they would have thought the same thing. They would have said, Jesus, what about the revolution? Jesus, what about the new religion? And Jesus is saying, I've got something better that transforms all those things at the end of the day, but it doesn't start with those things. It starts with relationship with me. And that's what's gonna cure their anxiety. And that's what's gonna bring truth and hope to a troubled heart. And that's true for you today. See, question off the top is we have to ask and be honest about is how much of your anxiety in 2021 has to do with you seeing Jesus as a means and not the end? Like some of y'all, you came to Jesus and I don't blame you for this. Maybe you were told by a pastor or a church or a book you read. 
You were told, hey, come to Jesus and your life will get better. The best is yet to come if you only come to Jesus. Hey, you want your marriage fixed? Come to Jesus. You want a new marriage? Come to Jesus. Finances, health, wealth, prosperity, promotion, come to Jesus. And some of you came to Jesus and your life didn't get better. And the spouse that you had is the same one that you still have. And the finances and the bank account and the debt is still there. And the sickness is still there. And the president you didn't vote for is still there. And the pandemic that you wanted to go away is still there. And now you have anxiety and your heart is troubled because you think, if you're honest, I wanted those things more than I wanted Jesus. Just like we pick on the disciples all the time, don't we? They were with the son of God and they're asking about a revolution. They're asking about a new religion. What's wrong with them? But do we ever look inside and say, what's wrong with us? Want Jesus to fix my marriage more than we want Jesus himself? We want Jesus to give us a president of a country more than we want the Jesus who created the universe? That's off. And is it possible some of our anxiety in life, some of our troubled nature in life is related to the fact that we have put another end instead of Jesus himself? And we don't get that in. We're anxious and we're trying. Anybody with me today? I'm preaching to myself. I hope I'm preaching to somebody else today. That's where a lot of my anxiety comes from. And so Jesus wants to make it clear. I'm not bringing a new revolution or a new religion. I'm giving you a new relationship. Unconditional love, not based on your merit or good works, but based on my final work on the cross and the resurrection. One that doesn't change every four years with a new president. I'm giving you a security, a joy, fulfillment, and meaning in life that's independent of your marriage and your circumstances and your finances. Amen? In the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your troubled nature, Jesus wants to give you truth. And that's the picture he's painting. It's a marriage proposal. It's more romantic than my marriage proposal. It's more powerful. The creator of the universe is inviting you to come into relationship. And my question is, have you missed that for some things that you're hoping Jesus will give you? Have you missed the savior for a list? Is that causing you anxiety? Jesus is gracious. He wants to bring you peace in your anxiety. He wants to bring you truth in your troubled nature. And this is what it is. He's inviting you into it intimacy with him. We keep going. Verse four, look at that verse. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. And I love Thomas. Thomas doesn't get a lot of pub in scripture and most of what he gets is not awesome. But you gotta just picture that in heaven, you know, like Thomas talking to Jesus. He's like, come on, Jesus, really? Couldn't I get some good lines? 
But listen, we relate to Thomas. Listen to what Thomas says. Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And listen to what Thomas says. He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. (laughs) That's funny to me. I don't know if that's funny to you. How can we know the way? He's looking for directions. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him because they've seen Jesus. Here's a big takeaway. We're just gonna close our time explaining. It's Jesus is the most inclusive, exclusive way to God. In this sort of marriage proposal, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here's the takeaway. You can write this down. Jesus is the most inclusive, exclusive way to God. Now, a couple options I have in this moment as a preacher. I could explain away the exclusivity of Jesus' claim. I could massage it and tell you what Jesus really meant to say was something else. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let Jesus say what Jesus says. Jesus, according to Jesus, we'd have to change the series title if I didn't do that. Jesus said, very exclusive, very restrictive. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Not I am a way, a truth, a life. He says the way. If you didn't get it in the statement, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And I think we want to soften that, right? We want to massage that if we're honest. And even as pastors, we do that because we're like, that just kind of seems unloving. It kind of seems offensive like to all the other ways to God, all the other religions. And let me just first say this. There are a lot of other ways to God. People construct ways to God. And you can respect those religions but not accept them. Just because we're exclusive doesn't mean we're extremely rude, right? And sometimes we we don't like this language because we just see the rude people yelling on the street corners, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, you're going to hell, You can respect other faiths. You just don't accept them. Is that helpful? But I think a lot of us, we don't like this because it's unloving and uh, it seems offensive. But if you really look at this logically, it only makes sense. If Jesus, Colossians 1 says, he's before all things. All things were created by him. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is sustaining the whole universe by the power of his word. That's what the Bible says. And so as Jesus is, as Jesus is the author of all of life, it only makes sense that he's the truth in that life. He created, think about it, this is not just facts, like Jesus is the truth, he's like, he knows all the facts. No, 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 he knows how the world works and everything in it. Michael read that verse, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He knows how the world works and he knows how the systems are supposed to work within it. He knows how you're supposed to work within it. He is the truth. But he's also the life. That word life there, there's a couple different words for life in the New Testament Greek. It's bios and zoe. This is the word zoe life, but God created all of those things. He created your physical life. He created your abundant life. But it only makes sense logically if God created all of life that he would know what would fulfill you in that life, what would bring you abundance in that life, right? Because he created it. So he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the ultimate reality is this. 
the exclusivity of this solution that Jesus talks about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The exclusivity of this solution is directly related to the enormity of our problem. See, scripture also talks about who God is and who we are. It talks about who God is, that he's holy and just and righteous and loving. It talks about us and our condition, and it says specifically, Ephesians 2 and Romans 6, that we are dead. God is holy and just and righteous. We're not just off. We're not just injured. We are dead, lifeless, and cold. That's what scripture says. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And so you have God, holy and righteous. You have us, dead. That's an enormous problem. Amen? We need an exclusive solution. You think about it, if you have a boo-boo, you may need a Band-Aid. Anybody remember those days? We have three kids, so I, rem- I don't have to remember. It happens every single day. I need a, boo- I got a, ba- I need a Band-Aid, I got a boo-boo. But also, you know, if you have a cold, maybe you need some antibiotics, right? What if you have cancer, chemo, surgery? What if you went to your doctor and he's like, hey, I'm so sorry to tell you this, you have cancer. And maybe after you got off the, after, uh, over the shock of that and you started to see down the road, surgery, chemo, like, I don't want to do that. You know, I have this friend who's a naturopath. You know, so I read, I, I read on this article about this new vitamin. I, what if, hey, I kind of just like, like Dora the Explorer Band-Aids. That's kind of how I roll. Could you just give me one of those? Or hey, how about some antibiotics? And what if the doctor maybe argued with you for a little while, but finally he was just like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be offensive to those other people in your life or those articles or even you in this moment. Like, I love you. So like, you know what? I'm having a good day today. Here's a Band-Aid for your cancer. You might walk away and be like, oh, it's so fantastic. But you would be dead in three months or three days, depending on how progressive and aggressive the cancer was. And your family, listen to me, would sue that doctor. Like, you couldn't think I mean, you would say that, right? Like, how unloving. Why did he, how cruel. Why would he not have brought the solution to the problem that was needed? See, the reality, that's the most loving thing anyone could ever do. The most loving thing anyone could ever do is not just tell you the truth, but tell you it urgently. Like, you wanna, if you have cancer, I wanna know yesterday, Amen. I want the surgery done in two hours. I want the solution to be fixed. I mean, I want the problem to be fixed by the appropriate solution. And so this is not unloving. This is the most loving thing Jesus could ever do is say, you have cancer, you're dead. You need to be brought back to life. I'm the sustainer and creator of life. And I'm the only one who can bring you back to life through my death and through my resurrection. And that's what Jesus in his grace, in his exclusivity, that's his love to you. He wants to fix your problem, not disguise it, not massage it. 
He wants to heal you from it because if you're dead, lifeless and cold, you cannot get up and walk by yourself. You cannot go to some church services and learn some good moral behavior and figure it out on your own. You need another more powerful source to bring you back to life. And Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, sinless in every way, who died on the cross for your sin, rises again in power over sin, death and the grave. And he brings you from death to life, amen? The, the exclusivity is related to the enormity of our problem and it isn't unloving. It is the most loving thing Jesus could ever do to say I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no other way will get you to the Father. It's only through me. But I said it, it's not just the most exclusive, it's the most inclusive, exclusive way to God. You see, you look at the life of Jesus and we could go back and read it and we have at different times, we went through the whole gospel of Mark and you just see the types of people Jesus engages with. Like he always, this is why I love Jesus, he always frustrates the religious people. And yet he still goes to the religious people. He calls them whitewashed tombs, but he still has a heart for them to be reconciled to God. So he goes to the religious people. He goes to the irreligious people. He goes to the prostitute. He goes to the tax collector. He goes when you would go around the Samaritan people, he goes right through that town and meets the woman at the well in John chapter four to engage different people. And we could look at that. We could just look at all the different types of people that Jesus included in his way that other people honestly excluded. We could look at Revelation chapter seven and we could see every tribe, tongue, and nation is a multi-ethnic family wrapped around the glory of Christ for all of eternity. And we could say, hey, the gospel of Jesus Christ is available to every ethnicity, amen? Every race, every background, every country, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the way of Jesus is inclusive. We could look at all those things but just look at this upper room. Jesus is, remember, he's having a conversation, a meal with his closest disciples. Do you know who's in that room? There was fishermen, but there was also a zealot and a tax collector. A zealot, if you don't know, in that day, their whole role was to overthrow governments. A tax collector worked for the government. That must have been an interesting meal, right? They're in that room, literally the opposites of each other. And Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. I'm going to prepare a place for you to be with the Father for all of eternity. I got to think of that moment the zealot was like, are you sure you're talking about the tax collector? And the tax collector is like, are you sure you're talking about the zealot? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm bringing you both. <laughs> it's going to make heaven fun. Jesus is the most inclusive, do you see it? Exclusive way to God. So what do we do with that? A few things as we close. The first thing is you gotta know the solution is a person, not a set of principles. The solution is a person, not a set of principles. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not giving you principles, He's not giving them directions, right? That was what Thomas was looking for, right? 
How do we get there? Can you tell us about the route? And maybe some of it was like, hey, what do we need to do religiously? What rituals do we need to perform? And Jesus says, no, it's not about principles. It's about a person. I am the way, right? It's a marriage proposal. It's intimate. It's personal, And so we don't need to know the directions. We just need to know the person, It's like if you were in Washington, D.C., trying to locate the White House, and you're walking around asking people, like, hey, do you know where the White House is? Do do we take that road? Do we take this road? Can you give me the address? And, And what if you were to walk up to the actual president of the United States? It would no longer be pertinent or important for you to need to know the directions to the White House, would it? You just lock arms with the president. He will take you there. You see, it's more about access than directions. It's more about a person than some specific path. Jesus is the way. He's not pointing you to another way. It's not a seven-step program, amen? It's follow Jesus. Stick by Jesus. He's the groom. You're the bride. He's going to build the extension on his father's home. And if he shows up with you, you're in. Anybody know that? This is the invitation. So here's the reality. You got to know that. And you got to say, yes. It's a marriage proposal. You got to say, yes. You got to say, yeah, I'm going with you. I'm following you. I'm sticking by you for the rest of my life. I give you my sin. I give you my life. Yes. You see, as, as amazing <laughs> as my proposal to my wife was 15 years ago, 16, it was amazing. Like the, the whole sunglasses thing. I mean, just the whole thing. Um, it was amazing. But if I'd gotten down on one knee and said what I said to my wife, and had her put on the sunglasses and opened up the ring. And she said, I don't know, let me think about it. It wouldn't have been that amazing, right? Uh, If she said no, we might not know each other today. Just be honest, I'm sorry. (laughs) We might not know each other. Let me just tell you this, I'm gonna just be honest in front of church today, I guarantee you, I would not give my life for Jaya. If she said no, if she said undecided in that moment, I don't think I would give my life for her. I don't think I would catch a grenade for her. I don't think I would step in front of a train for her. Bruno Mars, look it up later. Um, I'm just being honest, Jaya. Like, I don't know if we're gonna have a kind of conversations later, but I don't think I would have done all those things for her if she would have said no or maybe. Here's what's amazing about Jesus, this marriage proposal. Jesus, before you ever said yes, this was 2,000 years ago, before you ever said yes to his marriage proposal, he gets up on a cross and he gives his life for you. Before you existed, before you had a chance to say yes or no, Listen, this is Jesus. It's not just before you said yes or no. It's when he knew in the future you were going to say no. He still gave his life for you. That's amazing. (laughs) Amen? 
That's incredible. That is the most powerful, loving sacrifice known in the history of mankind. Jesus knew you would be indifferent to him. He knew some of y'all would say no to him. He knew in 2021 with a pandemic, with politics, with racism, with polarization, he knew you would take all these things and maybe doubt your faith and start giving up. Maybe Jesus isn't coming back. Maybe I'm gonna, I don't need the way, I'm gonna go my own way. I'm gonna find myself, look at my Enneagram type, get in tune with myself and my way. He knew you would do that in 2021 in response to his marriage proposal, but he still hung upon a cross and died a bloody death on your behalf. See, here's the only two options this morning. You follow the way or you go your own way. Here's the only two options in 2021 with all your anxieties. You trust the one who gave his life for you before you said yes to him. You trust the one who gave his life for you before you said no to him. And while you were indifferent to him, you trust the way of Jesus or you trust your way, which Proverbs 16 says, there is a way that leads to death. Only two options. You gotta say yes. And he's the only one worth saying yes to, amen? So today, man, that's, that's the invitation to you is to say yes to Jesus. You're not grafted in. Just like my wife, like just wasn't like, well, she was around the proposal. She put on the sunglasses. So now she must be married to me. No, she had to say yes. Some of you think, well, Tim, I know I've been to some church services. I have a Bible. I'm trying to do some good things. Did you say yes to the way of Jesus? Have you said no to your way? Because that's a big part of it too, amen? If you're married, but you're like, but I like all these other women, it don't work. If you're married to your wife, but you're like, on the side, I'm married to all these other people. I don't think that's legal in Arizona, is it? Much less that doesn't work in a relationship. This is an exclusive relationship. Have you said yes to the way? Have you said no to your way? That's where you find fulfillment. That's where you find freedom. That's where you find meaning, abundant, zoe, life. It's in Jesus. Have you said yes to his way? Somebody say, Tim, yeah, I have. I think I have. Uh, I think I have done that. Um, but if you're honest, you have, and especially in moments of crisis, you've walked to every other way. Every other group text, every other blog, every other political party, every other pleasureful desire that you have in a moment of crisis, if you're honest, you've gone to some other ways. And while you said yes to the way at some point in life, you have strayed from the way and gone your own way. If you were just honest this morning, some of you are there right now. Listen, you need to rededicate your vows. Jesus made a marriage proposal and you need to come back to him. And you say yes again. Some of you are honest. Jesus is inviting you right now. Hey, come back. This is the relationship. This is the way. And some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to invite other people to the way. You have friends. You have family member, Family members that you're going to be around a lot in the next few weeks. And they don't know the way of Jesus. 
And God has put you there to show them the way. Because you hate them, because you want to be offensive at Thanksgiving dinner. No, because you love them. So how do you need to respond? You need to say yes for the first time. You need to rededicate your vows to Jesus. I followed some other ways. You need to invite your friends and family to the way of Jesus. How do you need to respond? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's take a moment to respond. The band's gonna come back up. If you're here this morning, if you're just honest and say, man, I've been around the church, I've done some religious things, but you've never said yes to the way of Jesus, right where you're seated, we would love for you just to decide today to follow the way of Jesus. You can just tell Jesus this simple prayer. Just repeat it after me. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I give you my sin and I give you my life. Help me to follow the way of Jesus for the rest of my life. You can stop listening to me. You can start talking to, to Jesus and just give your life to him and follow his way. It's the best decision you could ever make. He gave his life for you before you even said yes. Even in the times you said no, he is the only one worth giving your life to, the only way worth following. And if you said yes to that, man, I would, I would love to know that. We would love to know that. We're gonna start singing in a moment. I would just invite you to come down. I'm gonna stand right here at the altar and I would love to talk with you. If you still have questions about that, man, I'd love to answer any questions that you may have. And then maybe some of you who already know the way of Jesus, but you need to rededicate your vows to him. You need to say again, yes, I, Jesus, I wanna follow you. In the midst of crisis, I want Christ alone. I would invite you to come down. You don't have to talk to me. You can pray at the altar. You can pray where you are seated. You can declare in song that in Christ alone, you're trusting in him once again and rededicating your life to him. However you need to respond, don't miss this moment. Let me pray and we'll respond together. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, the way of Jesus that supersedes every other way. God, I pray that you would grant us the humility in this moment to give up our way for your way. God, that's where life is found. That's where true freedom and fulfillment are found. God, would you work in these men and women? Would you work in myself to respond accordingly to the way of Jesus? We pray that in the name of Jesus, amen.